Our reading tonight is 1 John 5 and verse 13. If you'd like to turn there. 1 John 5 and verse 13. John says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You may be seated. Well, good evening. It's great to to be back with you all once again this evening and to have this opportunity again to fill in for our brother Laws as he's out of the country right now in Israel. And once again, I'm certainly thankful to the elders and to you all for being willing to help support and encourage me as I begin my studies there at the Brown Trail School of Preaching in July. And as well, keep my fiancé, Autumn, in your prayers because I know it's going to be tough those first two years once we get married there at the school but it will certainly be great. And so once again, I thank you all. What I want us to consider together this evening in the the short time that we have together is this idea of hope. You see, hope is something that that we all have. We all have hopes. If you're like me, you hope that uh, you can make the good grades to finish out this semester in college and and get that bachelor's degree and then move on and and certainly go to preaching school. Uh, Maybe it's the case if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, You have a similar hope for your child or for your grandchild. You hope that they'll be able to make the good grades in school, that they'll be able to to take care of their own business so that they can graduate, so that they can go on to college, can go on and get a job or whatever it might be. Maybe it's the case that we hope that, that by the end of this year we can have enough money saved up that we can make that down payment on our new home. Or we can go ahead and we can finish paying off on that car loan. Again, whatever it is, we all have a a hope. And there's nothing wrong with that. But most importantly, and if we're here together tonight, I think it's safe to say that we have the common hope to make it to heaven. We have that common hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But so often when we talk about hope, we kind of toss it around as if it's a wish. You see, when I say, well, I hope I'll be able to make it to heaven... Uh, If Jesus comes back tonight, well, I I hope I'll be with the saved, and I hope that I can be in heaven for all of eternity. And at times when we say things like that, it's more of a wish. We're unsure. We have doubts that if we were to die this very evening, that we would make it to heaven. And so rather we wish that we would make it there. But if we think about the scripture reading that we had just a moment ago, from 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, We know that hope is certainly a confident expectation. Again, we think back to that scripture reading in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. And it's there by inspiration that John would write, that these things I have written to you that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, when we think about our hope of a home in heaven, we have no reason to doubt. We have no reason to wish because we can be confident in that expectation to make it to heaven and to be with God for all of eternity. And we see a similar idea if we turn back to Titus chapter 1. And when we go back to Titus chapter 1, it's there as as the Apostle Paul by inspiration would write this letter unto Titus, that he tells us what his confident expectation is. And it's certainly that same confident expectation that you and I have here together this evening. As he starts out there in Titus chapter 1, and there in verse 1, The Bible says, Paul, 
a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. You see, as we read this here in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, again, we find what Paul's confident expectation is. He says it's because God promised this before time began. It's because God cannot lie that I can be confident in my hope of eternal life. And the same is true for you and I here together this evening. Because we know according to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, that if we're diligent to present ourselves approved to God, then we can be a worker who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Paul knew that if he was that worker who needed not be ashamed, then he could have that gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And so what I want us to, uh, to do together this evening, as we think about this idea of hope, as we think about our confident expectation of heaven, I want us to break it down and I want us to begin together by thinking about the focus of hope. You see, as we think about our hope and as we think about our focuses, we know that our hope will reveal our focus just as our focus will reveal our hope. You see, we go back to where we began and we think about those hopes that we all have. And you see, if I'm making my life the priority, those grades at school and in college, it's going to show in my life, is it not? You'll be able to tell that I'm concerned with my studies, that I want to make sure that I get my job done. But as we think about our hope of a home in heaven, that should show as well. If certainly my focus is to make it to heaven, then that will be seen by all in my life. But again, we think about those other hopes that we have in this life. And there's certainly nothing wrong with those hopes. But the problem arises when we lose sight of what's most important. When we put those physical hopes that we have ahead of our spiritual hope to make it to heaven, we certainly have a problem in our lives. You see, we think back to Hebrews chapter 11. And we remember in Hebrews chapter 11, we find what we refer to as that roll call of faith. We know all of those who by faith were able to accomplish great things. But we remember when we get to Hebrews chapter 11, and there starting in verse 13, we see what the focus of those who by faith could accomplish such great things was. We look there in Hebrews chapter 11, starting together in verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, as we read this scripture here together from Hebrews chapter 11, and there in verses 13 through 16, we find a people who had their focus in line. We find a people who were more concerned with laying up their treasures in heaven rather than here on this earth. And it showed in their lives. Again, we think back to what we see at the end of, of verse 13 there. The Bible tells us that they, embrace, that they embrace those promises and they confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Again, they were not concerned with laying up treasures 
here on this earth. We think back to what Jesus would teach us in Matthew chapter 6. And we remember it's in Matthew chapter 6 and there in verses 19 through 21 that Jesus teaches us where we ought to be laying up our treasures. Matthew chapter 6 and again there, starting in verse 19, Jesus would say, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, again, our focus can show where our hope lies. And so if we're more concerned with laying up those treasures here on this earth, it's going to show. It's going to show that I don't have my priorities in line. You see, we need to heed the words of Jesus as he would later teach there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And we know certainly there in that context of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that what Jesus is teaching us is that if we have our focus right, we know that God will take care of us. We know that those things that are necessary for this life will be provided for us. But we must have our focus in line. Am I more concerned uh, with making sure that I'm laying up my treasures of a spiritual nature so that they will last? So that I can certainly be confident in my hope of a home in heaven. But again, we think back to those physical hopes. And certainly there's nothing wrong with having that hope to graduate or, or to put the down payment on that new house. But those things can get in the way. And when we have those physical hopes, at times they can hinder our getting to heaven. We cannot be more concerned with our physical desires than our spiritual desire. You see, we go back to Mark chapter 10. And we remember it's in Mark chapter 10, and and there starting in verse 17, that that rich young ruler would come to Jesus. And we remember again there in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17, that as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You see, the rich young ruler, he he asked the right question. He wanted to know what it took that he could be confident in the hope of heaven. He wanted to know. But Jesus tells him, and we remember that that Jesus would tell him, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And of course, that rich young ruler, he he says that that I have kept all these things from my youth. But what would Jesus tell him? Jesus tells him we need to get our priorities straight. We need to make sure that our focus is on that which is most important. And Jesus tells him there, Mark chapter 10 and verse 21, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But we know, verse 22, that the rich young ruler, he he wasn't willing to change his priorities. He wasn't willing to change his focus. Now, I I don't know, and perhaps I'm reading into this a little too much, but perhaps that rich young ruler had the hopes as he grew up to someday amass that great wealth. Perhaps it's the case that 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 young man, that as he grew up, maybe his family was wealthy, and, and he hoped to inherit their great wealth. I don't know what it is, but he wasn't willing to give up his focus. He wasn't willing to give those things away and to truly lay up his treasure in heaven and take up his cross 
and follow Jesus daily. But what about you and I? Is our focus where it needs to be? Again, we think back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. And we know that if our focus is in God and it's in His Word, then we'll have no reason to be ashamed. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, To be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And as, we, as our focus is where it ought to be, as we think about God as we, as we are daily in His word, then we can be confident. We can be confident in our home of heaven because we know that according to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, that it's the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so as we think about our confident expectation, as we think about our home in heaven, then we must ask ourselves the question, where is my focus? But as we continue and we continue to think about our confident expectation of our home in heaven, we know as well that as we think about hope, we need to consider together this evening the vision of hope. You see, our focus is going to make sure that we have those priorities in our lives set straight. And when our focus is where it ought to be, then we know that our eyes will be where they ought to be as well. We know that our vision will constantly be looking upward and longing for that return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, we go back to Colossians chapter 3. And when we go back to Colossians chapter 3, there, as that chapter begins, Paul by inspiration would write, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now think about these verses that we've just considered together. Because it's here in Colossians chapter 3 and in verses 1 and following. We see that if our focus is where it ought to be, then once again our vision will be where it ought to be as well. Certainly if you, were, if you were raised with Christ. And we know that when Paul says this, he's referring to that baptism. He's saying if you have truly been obedient to the gospel, if you've been buried with him in baptism and you've risen to walk again in newness of life, according to Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4, and set your mind on things above. Make sure your vision is where it ought to be. He would go on once again there in verse 2 and tell us to set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Again, we think about where we ought to be laying up our treasures. Am I making sure that my treasures are of that lasting and that spiritual nature? Is my vision guided by my hope? But as we continue and we think about this idea of the vision of hope, certainly our, our current struggles are going to be minimized. You see, if I'm constantly looking forward to that day, if I'm constantly looking forward to my hope of a home in heaven, then whatever I'm going through right now will be minimized. You see, this is along those same lines that we talked about this morning, of where we can find peace in the storm. I know that if my priorities are set straight, if my vision is where it ought to be, then I know that I can certainly be confident in my hope, and those struggles will be minimized. We go back to Romans chapter 8. And it's in Romans chapter 8 and there in verse 18 that Paul would write, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
Now we think about what those first century Christians faced on a daily basis. We think about those who would be beaten. We think about those who would be mocked. We think about those who would be stoned, and we think about those who would even be put to death. You see, whatever it is we might be facing today, it doesn't even compare to what those first century Christians went through. But at the same time, whatever we're going through right now, we know that if our vision is where it should be, then those struggles will be minimized. We mentioned Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 in our lesson this morning. And we remember that it's there in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 that we know certainly where we're going, that God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no more pain, nor death, nor sorrow, for the former things have passed away. Is my vision once again guided by my hope? But as I look forward to that day, as I constantly look forward to the return of Christ and the judgment to come, is it a comfort or is it a sorrow? You see, when we think about what the Bible teaches us about that return of Christ, the Bible teaches us that for the faithful child of God, it should be a comfort. And we ought to encourage one another with that thought. You see, we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we remember there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and starting in verse 16, that the Bible says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We could also turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we see a similar idea there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 7. And there in 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 7, the Bible reads, And to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, and flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. You see, when we read this here together in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and, and here in verses 7 and following, what we see is that the faithful child of God, the one who is faithful and obedient unto that gospel of Jesus Christ, should find it as a comfort. That we should look forward to and, and find encouragement in knowing that someday Jesus is coming back. And where we're going, there'll be no sin. There'll be none of those works of the flesh that we would read of in Galatians chapter 5 and there in verses 19 and following. None of those things will be there. It's only the faithful. It's only the obedient that certainly can have that confident expectation of that home in heaven. But as we think about these things and as we continue, we know certainly that if our focus is where it ought to be, if our priority is set straight that we're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then we know that at the same time our vision will constantly be looking forward to. And we'll certainly be able to find encouragement and comfort in knowing that Christ is coming back. And with these things in mind, we know that the faithful and the obedient child of God can find the surety of hope. You see, once again, when we think about what hope is, it's not a wish. 
There's no doubt involved with our hope because certainly our home in heaven is a confident expectation. We think back to Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. And we remember there in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 as we began together this evening that Paul tells us in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before time began. You see, Paul told us the surety of that hope of a home in heaven. It's because God cannot lie. Well, if we go back to Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, we see this idea. We know Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? You see, certainly we know that God cannot lie. And if we had the time this evening, uh, we could go and we could look at all of the promises of God and how they've been fulfilled throughout the Old and the New Testament. And so we know that when God promises that we can have that gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, we don't need to doubt. We can be confident in that. But to add to that, to add to the surety of that hope, again, Paul reminds us that God promised our home of heaven before time began. And we know if we go back to the book of Revelation, and we know that it's there in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, what does, the, what does the, uh, John refer to as Jesus there? But Jesus is that lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Again, that's in Revelation chapter 13 and there in verse 8. And so we know that hope of a home in heaven has been in place since before time began. And we know because God cannot lie that we can be sure of that hope. But we think further about that promise. We think about John chapter 3 and verse 16. And we know it's there in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that verse is so true. And so many people know that verse, and so many people like to cling to that verse. But how many actually follow it? Because as that verse tells us, yes, we see the importance of that belief. But whoever believes in Him should not perish. And why is that? Because the one who truly believes in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God, they're going to be moved to obedience. Because we recognize who He is, because we truly believe in who He is, we know that we must be obedient unto Him. And that obedience, once again, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, is the only way we can have that confidence of our home in heaven. We certainly must be obedient unto Him. Because we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And so how is it then that I can obtain that gift? How is it that I can truly be obedient unto Him? Well, we know Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And even as we've just considered from John chapter 3 and verse 16, that that faith, that belief in Him is necessary. And that's even what Jesus would remind us of in John chapter 8 and verse 24. Because we remember it's in John chapter 8 and verse 24 that Jesus would say, Except you believe that I am, then you shall die in your sins. And so that belief is important. That belief is necessary. But at the same time, if I wish to know that I can make it to heaven, if I want to have that confidence of eternal life, 
then I must repent of my past sins. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3 says that uh, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. But at the same time, as we develop that faith, as we repent of those sins, we know that we must confess Jesus' name before men. Jesus would tell us in Matthew chapter 10, and there in verses 32 and 33, that if you confess my name before men, I will confess your name before the Father who is in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny your name before the Father who is in heaven. That confession is necessary. But at the same time, to truly be faithful, to truly be obedient unto him, so that we can know our sins have been washed away, so that we can know we can have salvation, we must be baptized. We think about Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And it's in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 that we find that baptism washes away our sins. We can go to 1 Peter chapter 3. And we remember it's there in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 21. We find that baptism doth also now save us. And we know as well in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. And it's in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16 that Jesus would say, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who believeth not should be condemned. And so certainly we know that if, I, if we've not done these things, we can't be confident of our home in heaven. But we can be confident of a home in hell. Because again, we think back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And it was there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and there in verse 8 that we find that those who have not obeyed that gospel of Jesus Christ cannot have that home in heaven. So we must be faithful and obedient unto him. But our obedience doesn't stop at the point of baptism. Paul would say in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer therein? We must be uh, faithful until death. And that's what we see in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Remain thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. When we do these things, when we are faithful and we are obedient unto God, we can be sure of our home in heaven. And just as our scripture reading was this evening, we can know that we have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. And so as we think about where we began, we think about our confident expectation. We know certainly that we all have hopes. We all have those desires. But are we confident in them? Especially when we think about our hope of a home in heaven. Am I confident? Do I know that I can have eternal life this very evening? If Jesus were to return tonight, if something were to happen to me as I head back to my house tonight, am I confident? Am I sure that I'm going to make it to heaven? And if not, I need to change that. Because we don't need to leave here this evening without being sure of our home in heaven. We know that if our focus is where it ought to be, then our vision will constantly be looking forward to and longing for that return of Christ. We'll constantly think of and find comfort and enjoyment in knowing that we can have that home in heaven. Knowing that we can be sure of our hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you in Him tonight? Are you in Christ Jesus? Can you be confident of that hope in heaven because you've been obedient unto Him? If you're ready to put him on in baptism tonight, we can help you with that.
Or maybe it's the case you're here and, and you begin to doubt your home in heaven. You've already obeyed Him. You've already put Him on in baptism. But you've gone back to the sins of this world. Well, we know that sin is going to separate us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. But we can come back home. And we know that those sins can be forgiven. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 teaches us that if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And it doesn't matter what we've done. Because we know Psalm 103 and verse 12 says that as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, we can be sure of our home in heaven. And if you're not tonight, we can help you with that. If you have any need, why not come as together we stand and as we sing.